Crows make too much noise. It's harmless phosphorescence. everybody. This is Thoreau Smiley, and I might be pregnant now. Who's joining me this week? Hey, I'm Josh Cece, and Mr. Dennis says I wear a lot of shirts. You trying to trick me, etc. I'm Brian Lesh. I'm Alaric Weber. I have red socks. I have blue socks, too. I just ate a hot dog. <laughs> and this is Harmless Phosphorescence. It's the podcast where we watch every theatrically released full-length live-action superhero movie ever made. We gather some research into the production and the source material, then we tell you all about it. This show is brought to you by patrons. Patrons like executive producers Michael Beckwith and Atticus Burkett. Uh, just a quick shout-out. Check out executive producer Michael Beckwith's blog, um, upallnightmovies.com. Um, he uh, reviews movies much like we do, but in print form rather than talking form. Um, <laughs> check it out. It's a good read. I enjoy it quite a bit. He uh, does polls every month. He does mostly old, bad genre movies, but it's a lot of fun. Well, he, so He interviewed you recently. He did. Yeah, he did. Uh, that's actually up now. Uh, it just went up uh, uh, yesterday, I believe. So uh, check that out. That's uh, at uh, uh, upallnightmovies.com. Um, but the point is, is that, uh, Michael and Atticus are executive producers on our Patreon and you can be a patron too. Just head over to patreon.com slash harmless entertainment. We got a lot of bonus content there. We have Star Wars miniseries, holiday shows, uh, where we do a monthly movie every month. Uh, we're about to record February's monthly movie. We'll be doing the Truman show this month. So that's coming up uh, by next week. That should be up for you guys. Um, check it out. Patreon.com slash Harmless Entertainment. This week on Harmless Phosphorescence, we are watching Split. Hey, pardon me, sir. I think you have the wrong car. You've emailed for an appointment two days in a row. Tell me what's going on. I've never seen a case like this before. 23 identities live in Kevin's body. Did something happen? There's a flower on the pillows, a flower in the bathroom, like we're important. Who is that? Maybe she can help us. We're here! We're here! Don't worry. He knows what you're here for. He's not allowed to touch you. He knows that. Mm -mm. My name's Hedwig. I have red socks. How old are you? Nine. The human brain is the most complex object in the universe. The only way we're getting out of here is if one of them decides to let us out. Aren't you the clever one? Hedwig, could you help us? Okay. I have a window in my room. Maybe you could show us. Oh, that's here. Now it's closed. Now it's open. Did you think it was a real window? So you could leave? An individual with multiple personalities can change their body chemistry with their thoughts. Someone's coming for you. 
unlocks the potential of his brain. There is no limit to what he can become. Tonight is a sacred night. You will be in the presence of something greater. The world will understand now. The beast is real. things to people and he'll do awful things to you. Split! Um, a release January 20th, 2017 with a running time of 117 minutes. It cost $9 million, made $278 million. It was a hit. Mm. Um, I'm going to kind of address off the bat since this is not a typical superhero movie. Um, how this qualifies for the show. Um, obviously, on its own, it doesn't in any way. It's not really about a superhero. But to go over the rules of what qualifies, as uh, we wrote out um, when this podcast was started. So there are six general qualifications um, the property has a comic book origin or was popularized through comic books. The protagonist has superpowers. The protagonist wears a costume or transforms into a superpowered being or has a secret identity. The protagonist engages in heroic deeds or fights evil crime in a vigilante style. Here is the key one for this movie. It's a sequel to a movie that was deemed a superhero movie. Or number six, they assembled against Thanos. Um a few caveats, no post-apocalyptic movies, live action only, theatrically released, and super villain movies count too. So, Unbreakable was uh, deemed to be a superhero movie. Um, and this is a sequel to Unbreakable. So, that's how we are doing what is essentially a uh, kind of horror thriller film. Um so uh, Unbreakable, we uh, deemed that as a superhero movie. The protagonist has superpowers. He engages in heroic deeds and fights evil crime in a vigilante style. I think I the protagonist want- in this movie has a superpower. She has empathy. Yeah, well, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of one of the questions is like she almost has a superpower in some ways is understanding. But um not not explicitly, literally a superpower. Um, but it, this, for all intents and purposes, I don't see much difference between this and Joker other than the comic book origin. Um, yeah. So, That's you know, a good point. Um, and yeah. additionally, Glass, which we will be getting to, is very explicitly a superhero movie. And if we were to do Unbreakable and do Glass and not do this... That would be weird. Yeah. And McAvoy is in glass. Yeah. McAvoy correct. is okay. playing this yeah, character of them in are. glass with Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis on screen as a co-lead. And in fact, and your Taylor Joy um, returned as well. Yeah. Casey. Yeah. So um, there, I, I, I just want to apologize to the listeners because all of that was for my benefit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. There has been quite the deliberation around this qualifying <laughs> or not. There's been a lot of talk. I just, I mean, the movie itself, if it didn't have that last scene, I don't see how it could qualify. And if Glass didn't exist, it certainly wouldn't qualify on its own merits. It's the context around the film and its relationship to two movies, which are firmly superhero movies. Like I said, I, I read that M night calls it a thematic sequel. And I think I know what he means by that. Yeah, absolutely. And it is in, I mean, because of that last scene, it is literally a sequel too. It's just not about the characters in that one. It's more of the extended universe of, the unbreakable universe. I I think this movie benefited from, and I think that's why it did so well because, you know, average Joe and his wife could be interested in it as a standalone psychological thriller. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what greenlit glass. If this had failed there, there wouldn't have been. Oh yeah, absolutely. Obviously. We'll get to glass. (laughs) That movie I don't think is as good as this or unbreakable, but um but yes this film qualifies i have no the poster behind you makes it look like an x-men movie yeah oh yeah absolutely <laughs> 50 shades of xavier i actually enjoyed this film <laughs> yeah so did i um this i really m night Shyamalan. i think is a i don't want to say an underrated director but he's no please don't he's definitely not underrated but i think he's a good director I think he's a bad writer, but um, we'll get to name here. We'll get to all that. Um, It's time right now that we play the box office top ten game. Here's the game where I count down the top ten movies of the week of uh, January twentieth, twenty seventeen. I use only the box office mojo descriptions, except where I don't. Uh, The boys are going to try to guess what movie I'm describing. You ready, fellas? Yes. Uh, yeehaw. <laughs> we, we, you. All right. <laughs> I love yeehaw as a question. <laughs> Ye and or ha. Um, yeehaw? <laughs> <laughs> here we go. The number 10 movie of the week of January 20th, 2017. A cop with a connection to the criminal underworld scours a nightclub in search of his kidnapped son. This is a movie I've never heard of until this moment. <laughs> he, sc- he scours one nightclub? <laughs> Yeah. Is he, he moonlighting as a janitor? Right. <laughs> like, well, it's not in here. What are you going to do? <laughs> Might as well go home or get a lap dance. I don't know. <laughs> I'm scouring this club. Yeah, sir, this is a Denny's. Under seats. <laughs> it's a two drink minimum for scouring. Uh, this, this, I can't even tell who this starts. Oh, is that Den? That's, is that Denzel? No. Okay. That's Jamie Foxx. Okay. It was hard to um, tell from the poster. We got, yeah, it stars Jamie Foxx. Love in the Club by Usher. <laughs> by Usher. It's called, it's called Sleepless. Uh, I just heard about it. Um, I, no word as to whether or not, no word as to whether or not he is in Seattle. Um, <laughs> number nine for the week of January 20th. Oh, God. Okay, this one. The story of Ray Kroc. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is uh, Michael Keaton. Yep. The founder? The Yeah, founder. The founder, exactly. You got it. Yeah. You win a Big Mac. Uh, <laughs> Gross. Oh, yeah. It's coming in the mail, though. God. Yeah, and it I'm, will be as fresh. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember the last time I ate McDonald's that wasn't the breakfast menu. And I think it might Stay be over here. 10 years. 
Um, yeah. I mean, like, I avoid it like the plague. If I'm going fast food, it's never McDonald's anymore. Same here. I haven't had Taco Bell in probably 20, almost 20 years. No, I'm 15 at least. Well, when I, I was when I was doing Lyft, uh, occasionally it, McDonald's was good for like a late night, uh, quick, cheap dollar menu mm. something or other. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. the day I learned that putting pickles on the hot and spicy chicken. I remember uh, that day or soon after when you told me. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, I love McDonald's. I, I just got to come out and say it. I, I don't eat it regularly, but goddamn, I, oh. I love it. Like I'm six years old and I'm going to get a toy. Yes. I, it, it's scientifically designed to have the best. I mean, yeah, it yeah. tastes good. <laughs> that shit's probably got MSG in it. Oh, I sure. Love it. Oh, yeah. I saw I, I saw a really interesting video on YouTube the other day about the shrinkage. It's it's crazy how much they shrink have shrunk um, the uh, the food and um, enlarged the drinks at fast food. Um, yeah. Because wow. in 1990, a Big Mac was five inches in diameter. Okay. Um, now they are three. They lost two inches of diameter it, since 1990. Wow. But a large drink at that time was 16 ounces. And now it's like 40? Is the large 40 or 32? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think it's you fill 40. up on that. Yeah. They you just put an entire Mickey's in that. Yeah. Thing. They replaced the food oh, yeah. with, with sugar water. <laughs> Wait, when did this happen? When did the shrinkage happen? It was slow. I mean, it gradually. was gradual over the course of time. You know, it didn't go from five to three. People would have when lost when their was minds. It a five inch, when was it a five-inch burger? In 90. Five and a half-inch burger? Five. It was five in 1990. <laughs> so I don't, I don't a grower, not a grower. Yeah. That's, that's incredible to me, though, because as a seven-year-old, a Big Mac was gigantic. Mm-hmm. And I thought I, I thought I got bigger. Well, you. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> they probably a, had beef in them back then. We, we, yeah. Well, I, I was, yeah, I was. I love that pink slurry, though. I, mm. Yeah, I saw um, uh, there was a Reddit thread talking about, like, ex-employees at McDonald's. They used to fry everything in lard. They stopped that in 1992. I my uh, fir- One of my first jobs, I was, like, the janitor at the McDonald's in Green Valley. I, I didn't work the food or the counter. I just cleaned but yeah yeah i had to put on these huge huge like rubber gloves to clean out the fryer (laughs) man yeah can you imagine they're they're uh, that that explains why like in the 80s like their 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 pies were amazing they fried their pies in lard (laughs) like i love lard yeah makes everything better but yeah yeah totally Yeah, if you yeah, if you want if you want a good, if you want something to taste real good and you don't care if you die immediately, fry it in beef tallow. Yeah, I was sixteen when I had that job, and they had a bucket near the the window of food, um, and once it sat there x amount of time, it had to be taken down because it wasn't fresh anymore. But anyways, it would be still wrapped, and they would fill this bucket up, and it was my job to take it and dump it in the dumpster. So. I had breakfast sandwiches like you wouldn't believe. Just put them in my car. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. That is 
with our McDonald's podcast. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye. The founder. Brought to you by Ray Kroc. <laughs> yeah, brought to you by Burger King. <laughs> Twist. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is a Shyamalan movie. Uh, number eight on the box office top 10 the story of the 2013 boston marathon bombing oh that thing they made a movie out of that they did and it came out in 2017 that was Was so fast nicholas cage oh my god the 9-11 movie too soon the movie right too soon the movie (laughs) wicked terrible uh we got jk simmons in it mark Wahlberg. of course it's in boston it's in boston was he the the cop? I guess who was oh, like who absolutely. Found him in the boat? I haven't seen yeah. this movie and all yeah, I can see cop. is the poster, but one hundred percent he's the cop. Okay. Is it called Marathon? No. I'm just guessing. Is it called Man in a Boat? <laughs> no. Incendiary explosive device? The yeah. movie? It's pressure cooker. It's it's called Patriots Day. Oh fuck that. Good gross. Uh huh, super gross. Brought to you by the U.S. military. No, brought to you by Texan McNugget. (laughs) Okay. Um, September 11th is now Patriot Day. Oh. Hmm. I forgot to put out my wreath. Mm. All right. Number seven. Wow. Okay. I don't know what this is, but I feel like I have to watch it now. Um, A young man working at a small town junkyard discovers and befriends a creature which feeds on oil being sought by a fracking company. What? It's like a weird sci-fi E.T. Mac and me thing, but it's also environmental and it's... Uh, let's see. Greenzo. And the creature's uh, name is Creech. <laughs> they name it Creech. <laughs> and this what came out in 2017. British Yo- Petroleum's Creech. Yo, Crete. It's uh, Steel Two. <laughs> it's called Monster Monster Trucks. This looks crazy. Uh, this like looks like it should have been made like it like it should have uh, starred uh, um, uh, Kurt. Uh, what's his face in like 1988? Um, Russell. Kurt, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell oh, in 1988. Cameron. Yeah. This, say, it sounds like Republican propaganda to me. No, it's about yeah. a creature that eats oil and a fracking company's the bad guy. Oh, I was going to say, I thought that they were going to show how oil is good. No, 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 no. This creature. Fracking's so, how you get natural gas. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Yeah. What? Not oil. Did, did it eat natural gas? I guess. It was, no, it eats oil. I don't know why the fracking company would want it. <laughs> That's not oil. <laughs> no. Wow, wait, let me... Uh, were they going to use it as like a bloodhound? Or a, a divining rod to find <laughs> the oil? <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> Go get it, boy. Yeah, this movie scar- stars Lucas Till, Rob Lowe, Danny Glover, Barry Pepper, <laughs> and Jane Levy. Wow. Um, yeah, hmm, I might have to check that one out. I've never heard of it before. Um... All right, number six on a box office top ten. In a time of conflict, a group of unlikely heroes band together to take down an evil regime's ultimate weapon of destruction. 
Were you is dropping it, a bunch of things that would make it obvious what this movie is? One hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Is then, it a Mar- it's a Marvel movie. No. If it was a Marvel no. movie, we would have covered it. Yeah. It's it's it sounds like Team America with whatever you dropped. So I'm gonna this this might might is clue. it zero zero dark thirty? It is not. So guys, we actually did record a podcast about this movie. Son of a bitch. <laughs> It was a while back. Can you read it again? In a time of conflict, a group of unlikely heroes band together on a mission to take down an evil regime's ultimate weapon of destruction. Rogue oh. One. Rogue One, you got it, Al. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. An evil regime. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. Empire did nothing wrong. Um, number five in a city of humanoid animals a hustling theater impresario's attempt to save his theater with a competition becomes grander than he anticipates even as its finalists find that their lives will never be the same sing Sing two no sing one sing two just came out didn't it oh (laughs) And then there's Sing Sing about that prison. Yeah. Full of animals. Yeah. yeah. Then there's well, yeah. and then there's Sing Sing Sing, the Benny Goodman story. <laughs> Everybody's favorite clarinetist. Yeah. Uh, number four. While navigating their careers in Los Angeles, a pian- a pianist and an actress fall in love while attempting to reconcile their aspirations for the future. Here we go again. Or like love. <laughs> no, this it's movie awful. this movie was temporarily the best movie of the year according to the Oscars. Oh, La La Land. La La Land. <laughs> White people problems, the movie. Yeah, I love I love <laughs> How long ago? Yeah, 2017. I love when um a young white dude explains jazz to everybody. For like a ha- for like a forty five minutes straight. Yes. I, at least it's Ryan Gosling, so he's That's like thing. pleasant to look at while he does it. Yeah. It could have been somebody way worse. It could have sure. been. Oh my god! It could have been so much worse. Um, n- uh, number three. <laughs> the story of a team of female African American mathematicians who served a vital role in NASA during the early years of the U.S. space program. This is the real best picture, right? Yeah. Hidden figures. Hidden figures. Hidden figures. Hidden figures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. There was a bunch. I feel like there was a bunch of movies in the last five years about like, like um, black African American women in the fifties and sixties secretly running the world, <laughs> like behind <laughs> un- under. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, number two. Oh my god! Wow. Twenty seventeen feels way too late for this movie. Um, our hero is left for dead after an incident, though he secretly returns to action for a new tough assignment with his handler. Born again? <laughs> no, no. Was there born. a movie called Born? born. Oh, Born. Born. <laughs> Not Born, but Born. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's the other one. It's always the other one. Born again. They're Jason, with their handler. Jason. 
Yeah, Jason Bourne becomes uh, <laughs> becomes a uh, evangelical. evangelical born again. <laughs> and now he kills for God <laughs> instead Boy's of the DIA. It's tithing time. <laughs> um, uh, any guesses? Oh, <laughs> this is a sequel. Oh. Um, Reacher, Reacher two. No, no, no. Oh, John Wick. The reach around. <laughs> no. The reach around. Yeah. <laughs> this is Triple X: Return of Xander Cage. Oh shit, he's back. <laughs> back again. Wait, is this the one with Ice Cube? No, this is the one with this is so so there was Triple X and then Ice Cube came in and then this one is Vin Diesel's back, thus the return of Xander Cage. Oh. Was did they spell Cage with an X? No, they spelled And was his middle name like Xavier? <laughs> yeah, I don't Where know. Where did the Triple X come from? Yeah, I have no idea. Xander. I feel like I saw Triple X, but I also feel like it was in like 2003, so I have no idea. I don't remember. I think I, I saw it too. I, I remember him in a fur coat. <laughs> in one of these I ads. thought it was a car commercial, I think. Yeah. It was like an unscriptable ad is what it felt like when I was watching it. Yeah, I yeah. don't remember any of the plot. Yeah, and our number one movie of the week. Three girls are kidnapped by a man with a diagnosed 23 distinct personalities. They must try to escape before the apparent emergence of a frightful new 24th. And that movie was The Boy That uh, Nobody Liked. 23 and Me. <laughs> Heaven is real. Heaven is real. For shiznil real. Uh, yeah, Split is our number one movie of the week, and that is the end of the box office top ten. Um, of course, we have no comic book background on this bad boy, so Al, Yay. I'm giving you the week off. Yeah, Which brings that. us directly to the production background. Um, so, uh, according to... So this movie was released uh, uh, January 20th, 2017, um, written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, so he's, he claims that he originally did come up with the idea for this. He came up with a sequel to Unbreakable in like 2002, whenever that came out, 2001, 2002. Um, but he decided not to make it right away. And then he rethought of it and decided to make this character have his own movie outside of the unbreakable world. Yeah. I, I read somewhere that he had intended or thought about making a character from unbreakable that I read was just in an orange jumpsuit. Yeah. Somebody was supposed to be the horde, the horde. Yeah. In yeah. Unbreakable. Yes. Right. He, he yes. was going to bring yes. back yes. a person directly. Yeah, the Horde was supposed to be in the original Unbreakable, but he he cut those scenes out prior to the film's production during the, the writing stage. Um, mm -hmm. So, but um, he he brought that character back. Well, then he decided he was going to make this character the, the part of a sequel to Unbreakable. He wasn't going to be the focus of the sequel. Then that never happened. And he um, then decided to take this character of the Horde and turn it into its own movie. Uh, this is a Blumhouse movie. Mm -hmm. um, this kind of came after. So right prior to this, he did a movie called The Visit, which is which is actually really good. I don't know. Yeah, if you guys, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 a typical Blumhouse kind of like, um, you know, horror movie. Um, 
And it's another one like this where he takes like an actual medical thing, a nugget of an idea of this medical thing, and then completely goes off the rails with it in a way that is 100% unrealistic. Um, in this case, it's, you know, um, it's multiple personalities. In the case of the visit, it was, it was sundowning, um, which is something that affects uh, older, older people. Um, with dementia, and Alzheimer's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, basically, prior to filming this, he had the final scene in mind. Um, he didn't know whether or not he was actually going to be able to do it and use it and tie it into Unbreakable. Um, at this point, Unbreakable was owned by Walt Disney. Um, it was, I mean, originally it was also owned by Walt Disney. It was, I think it was Artisan. Is that who did it? That was yeah, Disney's like fancy, like we can make our rated movies label at the time. And the, um, so he, <laughs> yeah. he, he went and met with them and he made an agreement with Disney that if they allowed him to use the character of David Dunn, Bruce Willis's character in this film, in that final scene, if there was a sequel made to it, then it would be produced under, um, uh, by uh, Disney's uh, studios. It was uh, Touchstone. Touchstone. Yeah. Thank you, Al. Yeah. Not ours. I wasn't Touchstone. sure if they were still. Yeah. Cool. All right. I don't think, I think Touchstone's been closed up now, haven't they? I don't think Disney does Touchstone anymore. So. I haven't seen that logo in a long time and it was indelible when I was younger. Yeah. Across the screen. There were so many minor studios and production companies at the time that are like ingrained in my brain that they just don't, that don't exist anymore. Um, what was the one with like the Sphinx? Oh. Like, oh. yeah. But uh, Touchstone uh, went away in 2018. 28. Wow. So recent. Huh. So, um, yeah, that's, there's not a whole lot more to the uh, backstory of this, um, the uh, our cast, we've got James McAvoy. We've spoken about him a couple of times in some X movies, um, <laughs> movies that used to be movies. Uh, and he does a great job. He's he does absolutely. He I does. mean, multiple personalities is such a lazy writing, <sighs> and it, it could so easily be done poorly but he, he did a pretty good job yeah so yeah let's let's kind of address that a little bit like the um what was it disassociative di identity disorder which is a real thing yeah, yeah i have my dsm-5 oh wow <laughs> oh my god wow um, it um yes it is technically in the dsm-5 and is technically a diagnosis though it's almost never been a diagnosis because so many of the behaviors are the same as schizophrenia, um, um, uh, disassociative identity as far as not recognizing self, not having another personality, but not, yeah. But the way it's been put in pop culture um, is absolutely, you know, United States of Terror or this, mm -hmm. um, that's, there have been cases where people have tried to pull that off to get out of some criminal offense, but there's like one or two instances in at least since it's been recorded that, that might've been credible, but it's not a diagnosis they give out. And it's definitely not like this. No, it's not. It's, it's not at all like this. Um, the, 
the character reminded me of uh, Crazy Jane from Doom Patrol. Mm. I can, watched yeah. Doom Patrol. Very similar, having all those personalities like just down below, and one of them is the host or mm-hmm. at the surface. The, so, and they and all of her personalities have different physical traits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I and, mean, and real powers. This this being in a heightened superhero universe, I find it a little more acceptable because I mean, you know, yes. we got Two Face, the Joker, like you know, it's it's not right. really any worse than any of that. Um, it is, no. it is without that knowledge, it's almost offensive, <laughs> the way it treats <laughs> mental illness and well, childhood trauma. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, yeah. we'll get we'll, there too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But even I, things I, like they, they claim that she, or she claims Dennis is OCD. Um, that's not necessary. You know, he didn't really have OCD behaviors. He had more anal retentive type behaviors like yeah. dirty. That's dirty. It has to be clean. He was mommy not- wants it clean. Uh, OCD is, is, is a subconscious belief that if you don't do a certain thing, that bad thing, you know, if I don't twist the knob three times, my mom will die. Yeah, you know, like it's a compulsion. This dude just got it uptight when things were dirty because he got beat when he wet yeah. himself or pooped himself. Whoever, very whoever, very lazy. <laughs> whoever Shyamalan consulted while he while he was writing this, nobody. he ignored. He consulted nobody. If, if, he, no. if he consulted anyone, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. But you're right. For the sake of this universe and it being a movie, yeah, fine. Well, yeah. and the. The underlying idea is that your mind can change your physiological state. Yeah, I was going to say is, that they're which practitioners of, well, of Vedic medicine in India, and like TM yeah. practitioners claim to levitate and hop and yeah, even yeah. uh, Buddhist monks that can slow their heart rate down. Yeah, to almost nothing. change your body temperature and things yeah. like that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to then accompany with the dissociative identity disorder. Right thing. for for a superhero movie, like, but yeah, I I don't want to encourage anybody to bully anybody on the internet. But this made me think of the uh, there's a subreddit called Fake Disorder Cringe, mm. where people post TikToks of teenage kids oh. uh, pretending to have disassociative identity mm-hmm. disorder, and it's really kind of sad to see. That- but watch watching this made me think of uh, some of the clips that I had seen from that whatever. And just, I wonder how much of like this movie existing encouraged young people to be like, I could do that too. Yeah, that yeah. one, that one, and there's a lot of uh, uh, Tourette's fake stuff too. Out yeah, there. yeah. Nobody exactly. understands that at all. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. In the nineties, I can't remember the guy's name, but there was a serial killer, and he tried to get out of. You know, he tried hmm. to be declared insane, and he pretended to have all these personalities. He later admitted he totally made it all up, you know, just like well, he made it all. In my mind, the folks that do these kinds of things that fake whatever mental illness are pretty obviously mentally ill themselves. Just a different, not the one they are presenting yeah. with. They're usually, you know, they're probably a sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and a lot of these symptoms, like I said, um, are schizophrenia. Yeah, but but it's not another personality. You may hear voices that you totally recognize as being outside of yourself, but that doesn't mean you're Billy, the little kid who's arrested development and yeah. the stern mommy. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's more about compartmentalizing. 
it um amnesia has a lot to do with the fugue state yeah. shit but i'll stop there yeah by yeah. by the by uh the production company we were looking for was hollywood studios ah hollywood studios <laughs> yes i remember that from like a number of 80s <laughs> movies oh yeah so many yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. Um, we have Anya Taylor Joy as Casey. Um, <laughs> she, she's probably most well known at this point for Queen's Gambit. Um, she, uh, her, she was really good in The Witch, or you know, The Vivitch, as I like to call it. <laughs> um, um, her first. What's funny is I've heard of this. Her first role, on-screen role, was in Vampire Academy. Which is a like made for for TV movie, which is basically Harry Potter for vampires, <laughs> and it's yeah. terrible. It looks terrible, Jude. It was a like young adult Jude show <laughs> or so movie. How long does an immortal have to be in school before it earns whatever? Well, here's the thing: is. is that vampires have kids and have baby vampires. That grow up to be adult vampires that have to go to school. In the, yes, in this world, it's so weird. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, she went on. Of course, <laughs> Anya Taylor Joy went on. She'll. Uh, oh, we'll see her again in the New Mutants. She was good in that. She's always good. I think. Yeah, she's good. Um, she's she's playing yeah. Princess Peach in the upcoming Mario Brothers movie. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That movie is insane. The cast on that is insane. Charlie Day plays Luigi. Um, okay, yeah. But, he loves uh, bags of spaghetti. Yes, he does. But for some reason, for some reason, uh, um, uh, Chris, uh, uh, what's Pratt? Chris Pratt, Sword. yeah, plays Mario, which is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life because he says he's doing an accent. Oh, he's, he's doing, doing the, the, it's a me? He's, yeah. He the says he's doing a voice, yeah. Because I, I, I don't know if that's really an accent or more just a manner of speaking. No, it's something that was popularized in a car, in cartoons, and then we just like you know, da, 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 da. yeah. Well, yeah, it's it was it was popularized in the yeah the cartoon. <laughs> I honestly, if we don't have Captain Lou playing Super Mario, I don't know why we even are bothering. Dennis Hopper is King Cooper. oh that movie Uh, okay um betty buckley as karen fletcher uh the psychiatrist dr fletcher um (laughs) dr jessica fletcher (laughs) oh god yeah um she was a great actor she was she was in carrie uh frantic um oh oh my god (laughs) she was grisbella in the 1982 cats. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Grisbell? The, the Jellical cats. I don't know. Fuck that movie. Fuck that show. I hate cats. I hate it. I hate it so hard. Anyways. Do you think they had buttholes in the 82 version? Oh, that was going to say. Well, I they did, so. but did they display them? <laughs> did we, so. Andrew did we, Lloyd Webber. Did Betty Buckley show her butthole on screen? <laughs> If not, she's a fraud. Spit out his coffee. Thank you. I'm done. The podcast is done. I've there's. I can't go any. I I can never do any better. 
I think I'm we might so have glad to just I had my cup and didn't have to spit it all over my computer. <laughs> Jesus Christ, throw. <laughs> uh... You know, people pay good money to see her do that. So. <laughs> well, I would. But... <laughs> as long as she has Fletcher. the cat costume on. Dr. Fletcher, please. <laughs> Did you get a hold of yourself? <laughs> it's like a terrible Rorschach test. <laughs> That's the superhero this movie needed. <laughs> She just like, Look what is your butthole. power to show people my butthole I and see, make them uncomfortable? I see a starfish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Haley Lou Richard. Um, she was a uh, grandma in the Preacher series. Oh, huh. I never watched that. <sighs> that was on FX. She probably showed her butthole. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Haley oh. Lou Richardson plays Claire. Um, she is uh, probably best known uh, for the uh, Edge of Seventeen. Um, that 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 was a pretty good movie, Coming of Age. That was the Edge of Tomorrow prequel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was a decent movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Um, that's the most thing I most know her for. I'm looking at everything else she was in. Um, not much. She was in uh, Shake It Up, which was a uh, one of those. Uh, like a uh, Saved by the Bell, like uh, Nickelodeon ripoffs from the 2000s, Wizards of Waverly Place kind of thing. Um, oh, she's been in, she was in Jane the Virgin for a couple episodes. Um, Jessica Sula played Marsha. Marsha, Marsha. Um, uh, she was in Skins. Um, Ooh, I'm still recovering from the butthole talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it will take a while. It will. She was before in. Before you can sit down. Yeah, she was in Skins. Uh, let's see. She was in a few episodes of Scream Resurrection. That was the Scream series. Um, she was in a cup, an episode of Lucifer. Yeah, I don't know. Not much for Jessica. Uh, Sebastian. Arkellis Ar- Ar- as Casey's dad, Brad William Hankey as Uncle John. Uh, well, he was in uh, The Stand as uh, M O O N spells moon. What was that guy's name? Oh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 yeah, what is his name? Oh, I cannot remember. Tom Cullen? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Tom. Tom. Yeah. He was great as that character. Which which I thought was interesting seeing him in this and then realizing, oh, mm. he was in an episode of The Office and he was such an asshole. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Now he was. Uh, Who? Wasn't he the guy that um, that spray painted over the mural Pam was doing? in the Yeah. Warehouse? Yeah. So that guy. His job. The building at his job. Yeah. And then he like almost attacks Pam. Like, well, cause she spray true. paints on his truck with like removable paint, but he doesn't know it's removable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember And then that doesn't, now. doesn't Dwight take him down? Um, I think so. Oh yeah. Well, he but, like, but also the, the, also one of the, either the gaffer or somebody, but like they break the, that. Oh, wall that was the one where that is where the boom operator. Yeah. Like, oh, I hated that storyline. Like they were. Yeah. 
I hated yeah, that storyline. Although that dude is amazing in Silicon Valley, the guy that played the boom operator. I can't remember the actor's name right now, but in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. he was hilarious. <laughs> he he starts. He's a he's he has a tequila line called uh, Trace Commas because he's a billionaire. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he's and he like loses a bunch of money. He's like, I have dose commas now. Dose. Do you know what that means? I can't buy cars with doors that do this. They only do this. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a status symbol. But um, all right. this this actor was in Orange's The New Black. Hmm. Uh, the guard uh, Piscatella. Oh. Yeah, that's right. He's not porn stash, right? That's the other no. guy. No, that's getting together. The yeah. All right, so we've got uh, Neil Huff as Claire's dad, um, M Night Shyamalan as Jai Hooters lover. That's how he was credited. <laughs> the guy in the chair, or the maintenance guy of the building. I think it was the security. building supervisor or something. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the most reasonable deduction. Yeah, but yeah, he, he's just there. And then he's not. Sterling K. Brown was in this movie, but all his scenes got deleted. Oh. Yeah. Dude is fire. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's incredible. Did you guys see him in the West Wing uh, oh, reboot we... episode thing that they did on HBO? No. Wow. If you haven't seen The People versus O.J. Simpson, he plays Chris Darden. And oh, my God. Really? I would watch it just for him. And Sarah um, Paulson plays Marsha Clark. It's a it's a really good yeah. Anyway, in yeah. in the West Wing episode, ah, oh God, it's the one where Jed Bartlett plays chess with everybody, um, and they're waiting for the results from the the election I to remember, come in. From yeah, the little, I remember that. I, I forget what that episode's called, but he plays um, God. What's the chief of staff who dies? Oh, I can't think of his name. It's driving me nuts. Mm-hmm. I can't. Um, yeah. But yeah, he plays the old white guy, Korean War vet mm. character. Wow. And it's incredible because he just steps into the role. You know, they don't do any background on like him being, God, I can't think of his name. It's going to drive me crazy. But yeah, he is the best part of that whole episode. And it's all acted out on stage in like a one act or in Mm -hmm. like a one take kind of thing. (sighs) West Wing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that show makes me so sad. (laughs) Yeah. For yeah. Anyways, um, so this movie has 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, that's about all we got on the uh, backside of this. You guys ready to jump into the movie itself? I've got a flower in my hair to show how important I am. <laughs> yeah, one of the versions of me is ready. <laughs> all right. Here we go, guys. This is Split. We open. On a birthday party at a restaurant, we meet Casey. She's a quiet teenage girl considered weird by her classmates. Claire, the birthday girl, and her best friend, Marsha. The party ends. Casey's ride hasn't shown up yet, so she gets a ride home with Claire, Marsha, and uh, Claire's dad. So this is, uh, you know, they say that she was a mercy invite. Like, nobody likes her. She's an outcast, but they felt bad. If they had not felt bad and tried to be... You know, if they didn't pity her, she wouldn't even be in the mess. No, she wouldn't. They just left her alone. <laughs> no, she, yeah, no, she was not. Yeah, she was an unintended victim all along, which is along, yeah. reinforced multiple times by actions that Kevin takes throughout this. Like, um, sure. um, when he gets in, he doesn't even bother to uh, chloroform her 
at initially right. like he 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 barely like he doesn't even notice she's there till um after he's done with the other two uh he uh um in the the cell there's only two cots because he didn't expect a third girl um he was not targeting this one at all no 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 but it's just you know interesting <laughs> like if they hadn't pitied her yeah but yeah and yeah sorry go ahead well and what's funny too is that the reason she's there that her ride isn't so i mean this isn't explicitly stated but i'm assuming she didn't call her uncle like she says oh the car broke down he can't make it i'm assuming she never tried because she didn't want to go home to him she was waiting for everyone else to leave so that she could either wander to where she but you know she was wait she was hoping they would just leave her alone and then again the dad's like we can't just leave her here yeah yeah it's yeah their kindness turned out to be her (laughs) but their phony kindness yeah um yeah exactly um so anyways uh in the parking lot the girls get in the car claire's dad's knocked unconscious by a man who then gets in the car chloroforms the girls and abducts them so he didn't kill the dad no he just he just knocked him out or chloroformed him something like that and also um so obviously casey is very perceptive um and this is the first time that it happens is she sees Dennis being very particular about the, the the waste and dirty clutter in the car. Yeah. She takes note of that because it comes back into play right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She's seen everything. Um, she, I also feel like she's wrong about some stuff later on, um, mm. which we'll get to, but uh, yeah. it's, and, yeah, there, yeah, there, there's a few things in this where it's like, they could have done some things they didn't, but uh, anyway, so uh, anyways, we get a credit sequence that's intercut with shots of the girls being dragged down a hallway into their room. Sometime later, they wake up to find themselves imprisoned in a small room with a locked door. Their abductor enters. Uh, he physically forces Marsha out of the room with him. Later, he brings her back in. She says he made her dance for him. She's peed herself. It looks okay, like so right? that's what I meant. That was where, like, her perception, like, obviously this dude is hung up on cleanliness. So piss yourself, and it might turn him off. Mm. Yeah. Casey told Marsha to do that. Yeah. 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 It's clever. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, when he is clever, he is. I'll give him that. Yeah. Um, While she was out there, she discovered that the door in the room beyond their cell is also locked. We get our first flashback to Casey as a small child in a restaurant with her dad and Uncle John. They're getting ready to go deer hunting. Uh, mm-hmm. Back in the present, we meet Dr. Fletcher, the psychiatrist <laughs> with a raging butthole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she got an email from someone named Barry telling her that he needs to see her back in the hey. cell. Claire is urging Casey to join her and Marsha in attacking their abductor. Casey won't agree to it, telling them that they don't have any chance of taking him down. This is this is the part where I'm like, uh, where I don't know if Casey's right. In this moment, yes, with Dennis. Sure, I think Dennis could probably take all three of them, even if they attacked him. Right. See, here, here's the thing is that 
it was it, it was a lazy choice. They could have had Casey say, "We don't know like how many layers of doors there are. We don't know if they're key. You know what I mean? We can't kill this guy because we don't know how to escape." They could have done that. Instead, you're right. They made her seem stupid. Well, yeah, there's that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, she she's right about when he's Dennis, but later on when he becomes um, Hedwig, for instance. Yeah. They absolutely, the three of them could have taken Hedwig. And I think yes. that's something that she should have recognized. And there's, she has multiple chances to knock him out, like maybe even kill him when he's Hedwig. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Poor, poor choice. Um, so anyway. at that point, they're, they're freaked out by the, the arrival of other personalities. Um, and, mm-hmm they don't necessarily know when uh how it works uh when Dennis could pop back in. Right. I mean that's true. I mean that's fair. That's fair. The the scene I'm specifically thinking of where she really had a chance to take him out is is later on when she's alone with him in the his bedroom. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the window scene. The window scene. You know, when, and- when she's actually holding a baseball bat and she actually does knock him down and instead oh. of finishing him off and escaping right. She throws the baseball bat down and starts trying to contact somebody on the radio frantically. If she, uh, yes, if she could have just beaten thing. his head into a bloody mess. Into, yeah, at that point you got the radio. Yeah, beat like, his head. Tell the police. Beat his head into a bloody mess, and then when he's dead, don't get off the radio until someone comes to find you. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and supposedly he has twenty three. Yeah. You know, but we we know of like. Four. Yeah. Well, did anybody keep track if we saw if we touched all twenty three characters? Oh, we did not. We no, we didn't. Definitely not. We didn't. We got I think like six or seven, um, and most of them came like real fast and quick, um, or on the video log. Yeah. Or well, or whoever. Yeah. Um, yeah. The studio dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and I think he was talking about Ultimate Fighting. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, well, he was discussing, he was talking about like a a Hun invasion from like the 1100s. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, we flash back to the hunting trip. Her dad's giving her some hunting tips. Um, in rewatching this, I realized all the tips he gives her, she uses later on when he's the beast. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, except for one. (laughs) <laughs> like trying to shoot someone at a distance with a shotgun. That was like, what, what are you like, doing? I know you're scared, but wait till he gets about two feet in front of you and blow his yeah. fucking head. Yes. Or just center mass with a shotgun from two feet away. Right, you're, anywhere, but fine. yeah. As yeah. he's yeah. running towards you, pop him. Yeah. Not shoot a shotgun into the dark. When <laughs> he's like uh, 50 yards down the hallway. Yeah. Um, on the ceiling. Yeah. We cut to our abductor. He's visiting Dr. Fletcher, um, but he's now a flamboyant fashion designer. It's revealed that she's been treating him for disassociative di- identity disorder. We discover that she's the foremost authority in the field, but she has some theories that are considered extreme. She thinks that the personalities in her patients are actual, actually different people um it makes them more powerful than normal people um and they have the ability to have different physical abilities from each other and we start to get the idea that um one or more of his personalities wants to confess yes to what has happened 
Yes. She mentioned at this point that he's been at his job, which we don't know what it is at this point, yeah. for 10 years. Yeah, we, we technically but, don't know what his job is until like the very end of the movie. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, good progress. And so she, that's what making her worried about. Did something happen? Mm-hmm. Right. She probably doesn't charge him, you know, because she's obviously a clinician as well. Yeah. So she's, you know, she, he's probably been her subject more than patient all these years. Yeah. She's just trying to get published. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's all. Um, let's see. Back in the cell, the girls see what looks like a woman through a crack in the door. It turns out to be their abductor in a dress. It's a personality of his called Patricia. She tells them she's protecting them from Dennis. Uh, the personality that kidnapped them. She says Dennis has OCD. He insists they stay clean, which, as we talked about, isn't really OCD. Um, he informs them that they're to be food for something called the Beast. Uh, later, they meet Hedwig, another personality who's a nine-year-old boy. Hedwig tells them the Beast is coming. He tells them that there's 23 <laughs> personalities in the body, and Hedwig... But when he says the Beast, he means his angry inch. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, Hedwig took the light from the others, which means he's in charge of the body. Um, Hedwig leaves and they realize that the room they're in is recently built within another structure. Claire breaks apart the drywall ceiling, revealing an air duct, which she climbs through. She escapes into a hallway and a room where there are lockers um, that seem to be in a maze of underground tunnels. Dennis finds her. And as punishment, uh, puts her into a disused storage room, uh, way for, segregated from the other two girls. Uh, uh, Casey, Casey tried to trick Hedwig by saying that the beast was wanted a boy this time and mm. was coming for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also she, used her wiles. Yeah. Um, you know, a boy remember and a girl, but a boy remembers his first kiss. You know, like there's a an emotional connection there, which was clever of her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Doctor Fletcher gives a talk about DID. Then it cuts to her in a session with Barry. She doesn't believe the personality she's talking to is Barry, though. She thinks it's Dennis. She keeps getting emails from him in the middle of the night, telling her that uh, she needs to help them. We discover that Dennis and Patricia have been banned from the light because they have extreme views and Dennis is a pedophile. Uh, Patricia and Dennis are known to the other personalities as the Horde. Dr. Fletcher thinks the Horde has taken over the body. So I, I have so many questions about how all of these separate identities know each other and communicate with each other and have opinions about each other. Yeah, do they? It's not a walled garden in any way. They're all just kind of like behind the scenes shaking hands and, you know, discussing things in the dark. Yeah, yeah, that's where it's that's total fictionalized version. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the cleaner thing or catch 22. You can't know. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. (laughs) Well, it would have been interesting for them to explain that they they know of each other by physical evidence the the trail that they leave behind right like at the end we see that his bedroom has little labels everywhere for every little person's corner of that Mm -hmm. physical world yeah but that also exists inside their brain 
Well, it, they did, he described it as a dark room where they all sit in chairs, and it seems as if they can communicate with each other within that dark room. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. seems like that's that's just. How... I, I don't know if anybody watched the United States of Terror, but they did the exact same kind of thing. Like she wouldn't remember transitioning to another personality, but there'd be evidence afterwards. Mm. Yeah. This was another similarity to Crazy Jane from Doom Patrol. Um, not so much the the dark room where they had to sit in chairs, but there was a whole like environment with inside her head where the personalities would interact. And yeah, and Cliff was trying game. to get certain ones to come out, right? Like yeah. they didn't use Spotlight, but Cliff was trying. You know, like let's bring Alice or whatever the little girl was. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, um, I, I just think I think it would have been more interesting not having the dynamic of like we all know about each other and these are the ones you should worry about. Like, yeah, yeah, it that's would, where the supernatural powers come in. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have made it much more. It would have been more interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and another flashback, Uncle John lures Casey away into the woods and sexually assaults her. Not on screen. Thankfully, the assault Thank did God. not take place on screen. Um but uh, yeah, this is okay. Go ahead, throw sir. No, I was just gonna say, like, I feel like, I mean, it's not treated flippantly. Like, it's clearly ruined Casey's life. But it it almost feels it almost it it almost feels casual the way he treats this sexual assault. I was gonna say yes. It's a very lazy lazy device. Um, his subtext is so so apparent but like that people experience trauma and then later react to that trauma in different ways you know so that's the lazy storytelling he was trying to give us but that's all we got Mm -hmm. we got very little from kevin's you know an angry mom screaming under the bed like that's not cool but like he never spoke to what his trauma was but we see casey's as being very intense this the whole sexual assault part of this movie just really i mean obviously it's not a thing that was like oh that was such an enjoyable aspect of this film but it was just handled so shoddily Ham-fistedly. like there's a way to do this yeah. yeah without it being without it being jarring to the viewer because yeah. like it was jarring to me i can't imagine being somebody who has experienced some sort of childhood trauma or adult trauma like that mm. watching this yeah. like Really? You're fucking doing this in a movie? Right. Really? Well, and and frankly, using sexual assault as a motivating factor for a female character at this point is oh, yeah. is border I mean it, it's 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 super tropeny. Yeah, it's misogyny yeah. at this point. Like you are only defined by by your identity as a sexual object is what it's and saying. It could have been just merely learning to hunt and kill with her father and if you want to throw some trauma in there maybe dad makes her gut a deer or something do you know what i'm saying or, or dad dies dad dying what like dad i dying i was i was yeah. really you know? i was really hoping it was going to be a hunting accident and dad dying because that is traumatic without being that awful terrible misogynistic trope and or him dying of a heart attack like he did right he had a heart attack yeah yeah. But but dying of a heart attack while they're fucking hunting. Yes. Boom. Right. That is done. Absolutely enough to make 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 somebody be a weird um traumatized goth teen <laughs> and make you right. want to and be it, alone. Yeah. Right. 
with and instead of a little girl having to come up with the gumption to shoot a deer, they have that scene with her and her uncle instead, where she's pointing a shotgun at him, and then nothing happens. That yeah. could have been a scene with a deer. Mm-hmm. Like there it is. Maybe she wounds it and has to put it out of its misery. You know, there are a lot of things that could be dramatic about hunting. Well, and, <laughs> you're a little girl or a little boy. I don't understand not killing him in that scene. I like I get it, I get it, but also like it would have been better i think for the overall like this is her trauma she overcame the trauma by killing her uncle leaving him in the forest or something well i mean because that's that's the story Shyamalan is telling is that he she didn't overcome her trauma she overcomes her trauma by proxy through shooting the beast as a teen um that's why it's intercut at that point because um her holding the the shotgun on the uncle is intercut when she's shooting the beast so that's her overcoming the trauma. But like that, this is what I'm saying. Like Shyamalan's a bad, bad writer, but a good director. Yeah, the writing is, is a mess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, I'd love to see him direct a good script, honestly, because I think he visually, he's very interesting. Yeah. Well, and it's weird. Like you said, the visit, I didn't even realize it was his until I was done watching it. Mm. I was just like, that seems like a cool synopsis. I like these kind of movies. And I liked that movie. And then I was like, that's M. Night? I was like, this is the kind of shit he should do. Yeah. So I had this realization. I was talking about this movie with a a friend of mine. And M. Night Shyamalan, uh, Jordan Peele is what M. Night Shyamalan wants to be. Yeah, totally. He wants high concept horror. And he never executes on the high concept. Well, and he's conflicted. He wants to be an auteur and he wants to be Steven Spielberg. You can choose one or the other. Okay. It could be argued Spielberg's an auteur. He's a master of his craft. His, his early blockbusters. His early, makes, yeah, his early seventies work. I'd say are auteurish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Duel. I think it was called Duel. But, even like Close Encounters. Like yeah. I would say, Close Encounters fits the auteur thing for me. Well, but yeah, and but Spielberg can tell a story and can hit all the notes right. M Night cannot. But yeah. you're right. He. he Jordan Peele, that's a great. Well, I, I I feel like, uh, and and not to diverge too much on this Jordan Peele thing, the thing that we all know M Night Shyamalan for is what a twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and at a certain point, that becomes so just overdone, and he no longer can execute on that idea of like his signature is I'm going to hit you with something surprising in the beginning yeah, of the third you, act. You can't. He had expect a twist that's yeah. the whole point he had yeah. two movies where the twist worked for audiences in general i know you've spoken about knowing the sixth sense twist early on josh but um um but uh unbreakable and the sixth sense the twist worked great signs and onward they were all terrible terrible yeah. village and, oh the village was oh, the bad village. Uh, I, there are parts of signs i like but the village oh the, the signs isn't a bad overall oh, movie but it's not I uh, I I I didn't think it was great. I feel like Signs is no. is was the beginning of the it end was for him. Character study. Yeah, you know the, the aliens were not nearly as interesting as Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix no. and what they were going through. No, if if you read Signs as the aliens not really being aliens but actually being like demons, then it works much better. Oh but, yeah, because it's know, got all the religious hair. undertones too. Well, yeah, yeah, and and then but then you know it's like water doesn't kill them; it has to be blessed water. And there's a point where they bless the whole world at the end, or something like that. I don't know. I haven't seen it in twenty years, but um, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the long-haired freaky people need another play. <laughs> Uh, back in the present, uh, Hedwig has taken back over the body. He tells Casey that all the personalities have to sit in a chair, wait for Barry to let them take the light. But Hedwig can take the light at any time he wants. Dennis and Patricia have convinced Hedwig to join with them to take over the body and prepare for the coming of the beast. Was Hedwig the little boy? I'm so yeah. confused yeah. by these Hedwig's fucking the man. Hedwig was a little yeah. boy. Um, and the part of the multiple personality trope is that the other altars will protect the youngest altar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, another cliche kind of bullshit. He can have the spotlight at any time because no one will hurt him. Well, no, no. I think it was that. He, I don't think it was because no one would hurt him. Like he has the power to do it. Like he's the actual. So this is the way I read it. That makes sense too. But is, he doesn't is that there's that. there's one main personality and we always thought it was the main personality was I got was Barry but it's actually Hedwig because Hedwig is still the nine-year-old that existed at the point where the trauma occurred when the trauma happened yeah Yeah. so he's the actual main um uh uh personality um who can once again so he worshipped his father obviously really loved his father and it was the overbearing mother like what a fucking cliche Oh, it's yeah. always the mother. It's, it's hack- always the mother. It's hacky. That's all misogyny comes from. Yeah. Just that. Exactly. Shitty mom. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, back in a session with Dr. Fletcher, we discover that there was yet another late night email sent. Dr. Fletcher finally convinces Dennis to reveal himself. Dennis tells her the beast is their 24th personality. He has superpowers, including the ability to crawl up walls, super strength, and a thick, impenetrable hide. <laughs> we, also, <laughs> we also learn that Dr. Fletcher can say his full name, Kevin Wendell Crumb, and cause his personalities to lose control, and Barry will be able to take back over the body. So that's his weakness? Like, like Bruce Willis is, is water, and glasses is uh, gravity? And his... Uh, his is saying his, this is his name. Is his name. Yeah. Name. <laughs> That's so weird. You're goddamn right. Uh, <laughs> so it actually saying his, saying his name doesn't bring Barry forth. It brings Kevin. So, oh, yes. Yeah. Kevin. So I, I got confused. So Kevin is is actually him. Yes. And that name is what he was born with. And. Like you said, is Kevin one of the twenty-three though too, or are the twenty-three well, separate I, from Kevin? I, because it's no. made up, I don't know what they consider. Like if it's the main person or the you know, but that is his true identity, I believe. Well, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, this is going to be a stupid question, um, but couldn't they just set up like an alarm that just says his name out loud, like every fifteen <laughs> minutes, <It's> like <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Michael Crumb? Because yeah, there's obviously like, oh, some shit. sort of city council meeting happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could you read back the notes, please? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that it's just so specific that it's easy to exploit that it's kind of a dumb weakness. It and really is. Um, Kevin, fear the wrath of Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> said no one ever. <laughs> Although later on, it does turn out that like, because um, they were able to account for that and keep, and keep control even after she said it. So it's not something that could be used often. Like he has to be taken by surprise by it. It seems like, Mm -hmm. um, all right. So back in the underground, (laughs) 
<laughs> it's the sound of the underground. Casey convinces Hedwig to show her his room. As he tells her he has a window, it turns out to just be a picture of the window. He does a little dance. Um, I love I love the drawing of the window. That is <laughs> such like a that. great like that was what creepy as fuck. <laughs> like I also liked his Buffalo Bill dance. His dance. That- dance yeah wow yeah mcavoy's dance there was awesome yeah yeah he he's got moves that make me want to not screw they they make me want to hide all of my skin yeah um and to that (laughs) song specifically such an aggressive song oh my god for a (laughs) nine-year-old james mcavoy to be dancing to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're not old enough for this. Um, yeah. Uh, he shows her his prized possession, which is a walkie-talkie. She subdues Hedwig. So, like, she physically subdues him at this point. She grabs the baseball bat from him, and instead of murdering him with the baseball bat, she drops the mm-hmm. bat and just tries the walkie-talkie. That's This is the, the point where it was, like, I just... There, another example towards the end where it's like, why did this person not do that? Yeah. Yeah. The saying of the name, I'll just say, why didn't Dr. Fletcher say his fucking name at any point that she was being murdered? Slowly constricted. He, yep. She tried at that point. Well, no, no. Why didn't she say his name the minute she saw the girl in the storage room? When right? he walked yeah. up behind her, didn't try to reason with him. Turn, say his room. name, get the girls out of there immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like send him to his room and lock the door. Yes. Right. You know, yeah. like Kevin Michael Richardson, whatever his name is, name. go to your bedroom. Yeah. And that, yeah. he said his name and he immediately switched. So say his name, doctor. Yeah. 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 There, there were two. There were those two points for sure. Um, so anyways, she, she's contacts a man on the other end, but her pleas for help are dismissed as a prank later on, <laughs> later on when she's taken out and there's the dude in the thing, he has a look on his face like, Oh shit, I'm getting fired. Yeah. <laughs> and he has I, the orange headphones. He, yeah. he mentioned. Yeah. I made That's a huge a mistake. Movie. Yes. Such a movie thing. Someone is obviously panicking and you're like, Greg, <laughs> Is this you, Betty? Oh my God! Yes, You're on the side of caution. Yes, absolutely. And then be like, "Oh, you got me with that prank." One thing movies have taught me is that if I'm ever on a walkie-talkie or like some sort of like communication device in some sort of facility, and someone tells me that they're in trouble, I'm just gonna believe them no matter what. Yeah, right. let the fucking cops throw that shit out. Yeah. yeah, if it's actually Greg fucking with me, then he can explain that to the authorities. Also, this shit's all over the news. The three girls were kidnapped. Mm -hmm. Like, they found the dad unconscious in the parking lot. There's a manhunt underway for these three women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or girls, because they're teenagers. Um, So, anyways, uh, Kevin's body gets taken over by Patricia, who takes the walkie-talkie away from Casey. Then another flashback. This is the point where Casey's pointing the rifle at Uncle John after the rape. Um Okay, so when when Patricia or whoever arrives in the light mm-hmm. to take the radio from Anya Taylor Joy or whatever, yeah, mm-hmm. how does she how does she know? Like we know because he's such a great actor, but like in a panic, you wouldn't be like, oh, this is clearly a different personality that I'm dealing with. The I change mean, in his um, resting face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, she the, did the, did just recognize it the same way we did. 
It, well, I mean, but it was very, I don't know. I, I feel like it was just, yeah, I, it was too it was. subtle. It, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Like, if she doesn't fight back or anything, she's like, oh, I can't fight this one. Like, mm-hmm. what? And, you can you know, fight all of them. And fuck her mayonnaise and paprika sandwiches. <laughs> oh, yes. That's all it seemed to be. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, back in the present, Dr. Fletcher receives dozens of emails from Barry in the middle of the night. So she goes to visit Kevin, finding him just as she's he's leaving. She talks him into letting her into his living area. Uh, she sweet talks him um, into telling her that he's contacted the beast, who's almost ready to take over the body. We discover that Kevin was abused as a child by his mother, which sparked his disorder. His father left his family. The last place Kevin saw him was at a train station. He says that's where the beast lives. He thinks that people that have experienced trauma are more evolved than those that have not experienced trauma. When the beast arrives, he'll become very powerful, reaching his full potential. As Dr. Fletcher is going to leave, she discovers Claire in a storage room and Dennis chloroforms the doctor. So Um, how does Dr. Butthole get into the zoo? I mean, Kevin had a key. He let her into the gate and let her in. Yeah, he he walked her in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, like, but was there an outside? Was this not inside the zoo? No, no. She pulls up in a cab and comes up and she sees him leaving the gate of the zoo onto the street. Okay, that makes sense. Um, At some point, um, she brings up that there was an incident at work with two teenage girls. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably these two, right? Because then he was stalking them for many days. Hmm, it's that's maybe I don't I he don't was know. following These them. Two, they do say that because they would have recognized him. Probably. Yeah, I feel like they didn't. I don't feel like it was these maybe. two. Maybe not. Because uh, he actually went to pretty great pains to show that these two girls are like good people, even though they're a little bit, you know, like shallow normies. Um, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> Sorry. All right. Well, but, then, no. I mean, he doesn't tell us that was a leap, leap like, that I took. But um, my question sense. is: Are these not the first girls? Did he already take those girls? I don't think so, because he took them to feed to the beast, and the beast hasn't come forth prior to this. And that well, is a good point. That incident with the girls, it was they came up to him and grabbed his hand and uh, put it under their shirts. Yeah. I know. these two girls never what is well i I, i'm just i'm just saying that they didn't that those two girls didn't get eaten previously yeah whatever yeah so yeah no no i see what you're saying now um i yeah i i i think he went to great pains to show that these are supposed to be like good kind-hearted girls they probably wouldn't have done that right but um, you know, in the fact like they 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 invited her to the party, and she she makes a point to saying like, but he says they're unpure because they have not experienced trauma. Yeah, right. Because they've never had bad things happen to them in their lives. It's not because of anything they did. It's because they haven't had anything bad happen to them that they're unpure. Yeah, he's basically saying like being traumatized is what makes you pure. No, I get that. Um, yeah. So, um, but, uh, um, you know, and then later on, like they make a point of like when they're trying to escape, like she makes a point of saying like, we're going to get Casey and get out of here. Like 
they're not going to, you know, I, I think he tr- really tries to drive home the point that these are good people, even if they're. Uh, I felt like he was telling us the opposite, but mm. he didn't tell us much either way <laughs> about them. I mean, what, what about, I, I think Shyamalan drives home the point of saying that these two girls are good people, not, not Kevin. Well, the first time we're introduced, they're complaining about how they were forced to be good people. But anyways. Well, um, yeah, I mean, shallowly good. It is said later that he was stalking these two girls. So I, yeah. that's why I just put that there because there was no other reason presented. But yeah. He, it is said that he's following these two specific girls and then takes them, it gets them at the King of Pressure Mall. That's true. I mean, it is a, it is a unanswered question as to how he picked out these two girls. Um mm-hmm. But I, I feel like these would not have been the two that put his hands on their breasts. But I don't know. There's no there's no definitive answer either way. No, there's not. It would be stupid. It's a if it was arbitrary, it's stupid. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh the you know, there's a lot in this movie that is kind of stupid. But um, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> um anyways, uh Claire and Marsha try to escape. Dennis goes to the train station. There he boards the train. Rips off his shirt and becomes the beast. He runs off into the darkness, heading back to to uh, his home. Back in his lair, Casey does escape from her cell. She finds video diaries from all the different personalities on his computer. She gets a set of keys. Um, she can't seem um, to get it. His computer's not connected to the internet? No, it's not. Um, How did he send emails? I'm assuming, like... Like he he just disconnects the computer when he leaves from the Wi-Fi. Like unplugs, unplugs the router. Something or like you know he he doesn't have it set to automatically connect. You have to enter the uh, password every time. Something like Does that. Does his Wi-Fi turns off at night? Something I don't know. Yeah. Um. I, that's also <laughs> how do the animals check their email? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um. So. Uh. Dr. Fletcher wakes up, still groggy from the chloroform, writes out a note with Kevin's full name and indicates it should be said out loud. Just then, though, the beast arrives and kills her, crushing her to death. Casey, This was so anticlimactic. He hugs her to death. <laughs> like, <laughs> from Wouldn't behind? Kill you? It would paralyze you. Well, and she dies. Like, yeah, I mean, sure, if he crushes her lungs. And her rib cage. And her, her rib heart. cage, all that. Yeah. It will kill her. But she just, like... Ugh. and is dead. Yeah, she like would suffocate brain. to death over like five to 10 minutes. It would be painful and prolonged. Her own blood. Yeah. yeah. The knife breaking was a cool touch. It was showing that I, he I does like, have a hard outer skin. I like that she, she stabs <laughs> him too. Yeah. She was like actually trying to defend herself, but yeah. the hug to death is so dumb. Yeah, and and I'm sorry. Does this woman not own a pair of flats? Her <laughs> high heels are so noisy and intentionally noisy throughout this movie. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, she's she's trying to snoop around when she has to go to the bathroom. And it's like click, 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 and then it stops. <laughs> uh, um, so Casey finds her way into the hall where the storage rooms are. She opens them up to find Claire dead. Her guts ripped out. Then she finds Marcia still alive, but being fed upon by the beast. That was pretty horrific. Like um, yeah. the pull back of her. And then she looks around and he's just has his face in her stomach. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> um, she runs and finds Doctor. He didn't. He didn't eat a lot of them. Was he saving them for like leftovers? He just likes the tummy. <laughs> he just wants to eat up the tummies. It's just the He's appendix. Like, yeah. Also, be a yeah, perfectly good casserole tomorrow. That's where the shit is. Well, He's that's eating. true. He's eating There's the intestines. Shit. Ew. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah, those are the parts you don't eat without cleaning. Yeah. Or, or human. some people, yeah. even with cleaning, you decide not to eat it. Hey, man. Menudo? I love this menudo. This one's all yeah. about the butthole. You, you eat a sausage, you're eating You're eating the intestines. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah, sweet bread. Yeah. So, um, anyways, so she runs back. She finds Dr. Fletcher in the note Dr. Fletcher, Fletcher left. The beast finds her. He does the wall crawl. <laughs> He's like, I'm Spider-Man. Um, this shit was so underwhelming, but also creepy at the same time. I was like, why, why is he well, doing yeah, this? They made like, it, you know, he moved more like an animal or creature. Yeah, but like it doesn't serve any purpose besides looking no. cool. That was my big thing. It was like, this is creepy looking, but also, uh, why are you up there? Yeah, it didn't well, serve any purpose. And I've seen dudes scale El Capitan, you know, in Yosemite free. Yeah. You know, yeah. Free climbing. So, yeah, uh, this, this is just ripping off Tom Cruise in MI2. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, so she says Kevin's full name. Uh, Kevin takes control upon learning of the situation. Um, he realizes he hasn't been in control of his own body for two years. Um, he uh, begs Casey to kill him with a shotgun. He's hidden. This prompts all uh, 23 personalities to fight, or 24 personalities to fight for control. Patricia takes the light. She tells Casey that Kevin has been made to sleep far away, and he will not now awaken even if his name is said. I hate it in movies when the gun and the shells are stored in two totally different places. Yeah, what is this, California? Right. Am I it, supposed to keep my ammunition in the trunk? If you don't store them right. together, how is your kid going to kill himself accidentally when he finds the gun? And- yeah, you know, I get it. But if you're going to own a gun, I don't know. An unloaded gun is useless except to club someone with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. It's like having a spatula. So, yeah, Casey fights Patricia. She gets the shotgun and shells. She runs through the tunnels. Kevin becomes the beast again and chases her. She manages to flee into a cage. As he approaches the cage, she shoots him twice with the shotgun. Um, it doesn't. No, she, she retreats into a metaphor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, and shoots him with another metaphor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. This is all intercut with her and the uh, the uncle and the shotgun scene. Uh, he bends the bars and is going to enter the cage. Like the shotgun didn't kill him. It didn't like go through him. Um, was the cage even locked? And how? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, she did pick up some keys earlier. She did. Oh, right. She had the keys, but she couldn't find it. She couldn't figure out which one got her out, and she didn't have time to just sit there trying them from doors. Um, mm-hmm. So he tells her, um, he, he notices her self-harm scars. This is another like real ham-fisted reading of like trauma and self-harming, which is a very complex thing. <laughs> Yeah. 
Well, and they are like not... below her midriff. Yeah. And like at mm-hmm. they're like on her shoulders and like below her belly button is where they mostly But then are. she's got a couple scars up here that don't look like they were self-inflicted. She's got that either oh Yeah. But anyways, like you said, ham fisted just so over the top. Yeah. It is. Like, it's, oh, you you had trauma. Yeah, it is. First of all, we all have uh, a lot of things can be traumatic. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, that, and it's, <laughs> Well, and, and like the symbolism he uses where like, um, you know, cause Dennis keeps taking pieces of clothing when it gets dirty and the other two mm. girls have very little on. So they're just in like a bra and panties, but she has layer right. after layer because she's constantly covering herself up to, as like, because a, of her, cause of her trauma. Beautiful. Yeah. So she you know, didn't, we didn't need the scars to show that. No. Right. Not no, at all. He, he was doing it in flashback already. We didn't. Yeah. And, you and, know, and they made it like it's a superhero. You know, so people with extreme trauma, yeah, they are evolved because their fight or flight mechanisms were triggered so often and so many times, mm-hmm. but not evolved in a sense that they are a superior biological species. Right. You know? Right. He, he doesn't even he doesn't even approach it other than saying true. People with trauma are more involved. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's his thing. So, I mean, when the the scars were just a visual thing for him to be able to see so that he could have this moment of deciding to let her live and leaving. Yep. Um, Instead of like just sensing her trauma or whatever. Um, Or that she was never intended. Yeah. To be food. Yeah. Um, So she collapses. Um, we get one last flashback in which we learn that her dad had a heart attack and she had to go live with Uncle John. Sometime later, um, she's found by a man in a worker's jumpsuit. He takes her out of the basement. We see she was below a zoo. That was the, that's the twist. It was a zoo all along. Yeah. Right. It, is that the twist? No, I mean, the all twist the is the final scene with sound. Bruce Willis, but... But yeah, all the beastly sounds and growls were not from him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was literally from lions. And Patricia is saying all these little facts and they were just M. Night. But like a family of lions can eat 38 pounds in a day. You know, she had animal facts. Yeah. So again, more M. Night. This is Animal Facts, the movie. (laughs) Every five-year-old. Yeah, every eight-year-old's favorite movie, Animal Facts. (laughs) Next to Dinosaur Facts and pictures of dump trucks. So, um, yeah, anyways, uh, she gets rescued. The police come. Um, She's in the back of a police car, and a woman officer tells her that her uncle has arrived to take her home. Um. She gives a very subtle look suggesting that Mm -hmm. there's some unspoken communication between her and the police officer about her uncle. It's we are left to assume that she doesn't go back with him. We don't actually get in this movie. We don't actually get a resolution. How does she not say the words? Don't don't send me with my uncle. He's been abusing me for years. This traumatic experience has enlightened me to the fact that I now have the strength to tell some authority figure and an opportunity. Instead, we Uh get Anya Taylor-Joy glancing longingly at a police officer who glances back understandingly. 
Well, okay. So or yeah, something. I, she's a I, I watched. Officer. I watched these. Yeah, because she's a female officer, right? Yeah. So I mean, I watched this a couple times, and Anya Taylor Joy's um, performance here is great. What the script yeah. has her doing is really. Ugh. But there's a moment where she looks at the police officer, and the police officer looks at back at her with understanding. And the police officer's words are, um, "Are you ready to go with your uncle?" And there's the looks. And then when it goes cuts back to Anya Taylor Joy, there's a super super little subtle head shake of no, and that's all we get. Great performance, badly written. Yeah, I mean, like that's I don't know it. There's no empowerment for her character in that reaction still. No. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have, I would have much rather her grab a cowbell and like make a bunch of noise about it. Like, and since you're all here, arrest my uncle. Look at these scars. Me too. And, and, uh, and, okay. So, you know, yeah. Filmmakers are not obligated to, um, yeah. Andrea puts out the point. Yeah. She would be taken to a hospital. Not that immediately given, like maybe the uncle would have yeah. come to the hospital with her, but she yeah. would have been taken to a hospital. She's literally evidence. You're right. Yeah. This was a kidnapping and torture scenario. Like yeah. she has she's to to injured. She would. Yeah. Well, they have to see if there are drugs in the, her system. There's they all yeah. do a rape kit. Yeah. Need, you know, she was kidnapped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's but, a great instead, point. but instead they hand her off at the parking lot of the zoo. Yeah. Yeah. To her uncle. Yeah. But also, also, okay. Like, hey, clean her up, will you? Promise? So, so filmmakers don't have an obligation or a responsibility to portray to 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 be, I don't know, to 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 like be instructive or role models or whatever, what have you. They're telling a story. Bad things can happen, things can be inaccurate. It's a movie, sure. But the exactly. message this gives is that you shouldn't make a big fuss about being molested. And I think it would have been really great if she had learned the lesson like, hey, you should make a big fuss about being molested. Tell everybody. Yeah. Yeah. This is how you deal with trauma. Mm -hmm. Yes. You don't let it live in the shadows. You tell people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead, you continue to live an understated yet emotionally impacted dramatic life but, whatever the fuck that look was yeah, at the end yeah. and like you said rationally there are i mean there are a lot of reasons why victims don't come forward yeah but but what we're talking about is how sloppy and so you know like you said there should have been an arc it ends with her locking herself in a cage she felt locked in a cage her whole life this mm-hmm. cage of trauma then she locks herself in this cage but then she you know like, like you said, Brian, why doesn't she walk out there more powerful? Why isn't yeah. she like a Laurie Strode or a, yeah. or a Ripley or yes. a Sydney Prescott? Yes, I would like, have loved to have seen that. If like she lets herself out of the cage, instead she sits there and waits for someone to come rescue her from the cage. If we're using right. the meta- cage metaphor all the way through, then yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, she was still broken. Yeah. Um, so then, and to no end, we don't know what the point of that was. And and again, I, I just, yeah, I kind of want to reiterate and clarify, like, I agree 100% with you. This, it's not about her experience. It's about the writing and the execution of the end of her arc as somebody who has experienced this horrible Mm -hmm. traumatic, you know, yeah. Abuse at the hands of her family member. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's her story. This just happens to be a, like, uh, detour from it yeah and how she discovers how to survive meanwhile a cannibalistic multi-personality monster 
we get one scene of him hiding under a bed and a mean mom with a wire hanger. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. That's no way to raise your kids. But are you kidding me? He eats human flesh. Well, I mean, they the- didn't bother showing us anything. Not that we need gratuitous abuse of children, but they didn't even. You know, like you shit yourself again, you sick little blah, 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 you know. Yeah, I mean, not nothing. And again, this only, this only is in any way even slightly acceptable under, if you accept that it's a kind of ham-fisted, heightened superhero world in which he actually has magic, you know, superpowers endowed which were triggered by this not just the trauma caused it but he had these powers to begin with and the trauma triggered the powers if that doesn't exist then then it's just awful awful right. awful we, we have no <laughs> portrayals of abuse and trauma yeah. yeah i i to the flashback for him i think it would have been interesting to see him exhibit some of the uh multiple personalities as a feature of his existence already the behaviors yeah the behaviors yeah. Like, seeping in not fully like, formed identity like but. you said you shit yourself again and having right. him say like I, I don't know what you're talking about i yeah i didn't oh my god there's shit in my pants like that yeah. kind and of thing would have been revealing right and he's you know uh in uresis which is bedwetting and um regression shitting yourself these are things that do happen to children when they're being abused so yeah he didn't have ocd he was he obviously soiled himself as a child maybe often and was beaten for it and but again we have to put all that shit together on our own yeah yeah we have to suppose how bad kevin had it there's it doesn't seem like he had it worse than casey there's a good outline of a story in here the film's directed well but he needed a good writer to take a pass at this and fix all of this m night bullshit stuff that he's bad at Right. Yeah. Performances are incredible too. Performances just are great. To, yeah. They say yeah. that again. Anya Taylor yeah. Joy and James McAvoy just kill it in this movie. Absolutely. Um, so the doctor. I love oh, those scenes yeah. where she, you're looking her in the eye from his point of view. There's something calming about it. I don't know. I liked her a lot and her butt. <laughs> you oh, know, her butthole sort of won an Oscar. <laughs> her butthole was the real star of the show. <laughs> yeah you know if the butthole's gonna come out it should be a feature presentation how, how much did this make 280 million dollars somewhere in that range yeah <laughs> that's What's that's that butthole money that's, but- yeah. <laughs> that's hollywood butthole money right there so all right all right all right so meanwhile in a hideout um somewhere out in the city dennis patrician hedwig discussed the beast's powers and their plans to change the world then the theme to unbreakable starts playing <laughs> <laughs> and Kimmy and Kimmy Schmidt, yeah. Um, and uh, we uh, cut to a diner. There's a news report about the horde. A woman remarks that it reminds her of an incident 15 years earlier, in which another evil man was given an odd name by the media. She can't remember what it was. The camera pans to reveal David Dunn, Bruce Willis, the hero of Unbreakable. He says the name was Mr. Glass. Roll credits. So everyone in this diner is watching the TV 
Like they're engrossed by this story on television. Yeah. That is not how people are. That is not how human beings no. in public spaces are. No. They get one or two people show. talking about it, like like elbowing somebody being like, hey, you see that uh, they found that killer guy on the TV. Huh. Yeah, those, cool. those girls were. They're watching yeah. it like it's the ball drop. Right. Like they were waiting for this news <laughs> like, to be revealed. Like it's the Super Bowl or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the day Kennedy was shot. Yeah. The world is a fucked up place and this kind of shit happens all the time, especially, especially in this universe. Yeah. How is everybody so engaged with this news report? Yeah. I mean, but yeah, exactly. Yet the dude with the radio <laughs> wasn't able to put yeah. two and two together. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is a manhunt. Uh, um, yeah the clunkiness of that line of dialogue about this is like that crazy guy in the wheelchair yeah um that and like the clunk the clunkiness of the first scene with the dad Mm. um i guess very shyamalan (laughs) yeah very very characteristic of m night it is so he he you got to have a good ending and a good beginning and the middle kind of should get you from point A to point B. The beginning yep. and the ending of this movie are dumb. They are bad. And the mm-hmm. middle is, is kind of interesting and there's a lot of yeah. riveting stuff that happens, but like getting us from point A to point B, like none of those things matter. It's so weird structurally. And like Al said, so clunky, like the conversation that the dad is having with these girls is not a natural or organic sounding you know what I mean? No, it's like, not. That's the first time it came up that they invited this girl that he's never seen before or, you know, it was just, it's like when characters in something address something that they obviously have been living with for a long, long time, but they just suddenly are talking about it. Oh, well, and if dad takes this. Oh, if go ahead, you, If you don't come, you won't be able to hear my dad tell jokes that only he thinks is funny. Well, and and dad takes this opportunity to teach let me teach you girls about morality and kindness yeah like you've never heard about morality before let me tell you all about it yeah exactly yeah there's a lot well and also okay so yeah little things like that like like talking about things people should have been doing all along the entire they were in how long first off how long were they captured how long did he have them it was days at least right dude many days or was it overnight because the zoo guy shows up to like clean the cages and finds them like oh he he showed up to smoke a cigarette like but 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 that that was a part so they were captured in a place that that zoo guy couldn't go to she escaped out into an area where zoo guys go it was yeah. and he said oh, what are you doing in this area yeah. where it's yeah. obviously been converted to a living <laughs> like to this yeah. area what area is this, is this is this part of the zoo abandoned do, well, yeah. McAvoy lives there. Clearly, establishments abandon large basement parts of the zoo. Well, but it was also under the maintenance level. Also, yeah. did they allow a mentally ill people who work as janitors to live in the zoo? It's the world's guess, biggest. It's an area. It was an area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Andrea, in this area. Thank you, Andrea. I was just about to mention that. Yeah, it was at least four days based on the number of therapy sessions with Barry because he kept emailing her every night, then the next day going to a therapy session. Barry. So, why they were the two other girls were put in separate rooms and then they never once tried to escape until the final day. 
when, like, why weren't they trying yeah. to open the locks all that time? Yeah, she found that wire hanger, which, again, we saw Kevin about to be beaten with. But it's just there. And, yeah, she didn't look around those shelves. Also, those were all wooden shelves in both, you know. You can break that wood apart and do what Stuff. you need to do with yeah. it. <laughs> you can do anything. You Keep can make the door closed at you least. Stab them they weren't the even neck. looking in all the boxes. They no. were just like, oh, it's a cardboard box, cardboard box. That's no good. <laughs> well, what are you like, going to do? Do people put things in boxes, <laughs> Claire? <laughs> Not in Philly. Oh, they were all labeled empty box. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bag hutch. So the, the the one other small thing um, I noticed um, thematically was um, Casey was so good at manipulating Hedwig because she learned from her uncle manipulating her. Mm-hmm. Small touch. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, and we saw in the beginning again her perceptiveness. Mm-hmm. But like she's the only one in the car that has any clue something is amiss. Yeah. Okay, and can we just go back to the fact that this man got in the car and no one noticed for like 15 seconds that it was a different human being? Well, yeah. And, and the, the reaction is, I think you're in the wrong car. Yeah, and only she like has a fight or flight reaction and she freezes. And then when she tries to get out, to leave. he notices the ding. What I don't understand is she's trying to slow. Well, I guess I understand. It's like her fight or flight. She fre- But um, she's slowly opening the door to get out of the car <laughs> instead of just... <laughs> Flinging it open and running. Yeah. And she saw them get chloroform. Yeah. So that could lead to a reasonable assumption that there isn't another kind of weapon because why wouldn't you just, you know, yeah. show your gun yeah. as well? I don't know. And, uh, okay. Did dad wind up in the trunk? No. Dad, no. dad, dad, they, in a news report, we can hear them say he woke up in the parking lot. Yeah. Oh, okay. he, didn't, he just chloroformed him and then left. Yeah. Where did he leave the body? Because he didn't definitely put it behind the car because he would have run him over. <laughs> I guess next to, to him? the next space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Anyways, it's just, it doesn't make any sense as far as where he put the body. Yeah. Yeah. So no. He's like, does this chloroform smell funny to you? <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. And- no, I'm sorry. The Simpsons, dad, the chloroform. Oh, right. If you let us meet the who, I'll trade you this chloroform. <laughs> my, my favorite single chloroform scene in any media is on Community, Community. when Abed and Troy and Annie keep chloroforming the guard. That security they, guard. That security. And then they pretend to be chloroformed. They lay down and they, and they get up. Him to wake They're like, up somebody they... chloroformed all of us. But what's happening? What's that? like? But why do you still have the rag? And he just grabs him and chloroforms him again. And Troy's like, can we just leave? I love that scene. Yes, that's oh it's my like God. a Mexican standoff. They're in a circle and they're chloroforming each other. Or not. Uh, so, I don't know. All right. Any last thoughts about Split before we move on to the ranking? No. No. I just want to give it one more uh, obligatory boo. This movie had me booing out loud at multiple points. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's him. That's M Night yep. for you. It, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's go ahead. Um, I okay, really. So this is gonna be tough. I mean, like you said, it's it should have been done. It is a sequel, and I really like it as a psychological thriller. 
Yeah. I don't at all look at it as a part of a universe. So, I d- uh, well, that's I don't. my point of view. It makes <sighs> ranking it tough. It's both good and like, bad. I would watch it again. It's yeah. both good and bad. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on, like Brian said, throughout the middle. There's a lot of terrible, terrible M. Night Shyamalan bullshit. Um, that's the thing about his movies is they're, they're riveting and they're watchable, but they're not always – they're not great. <laughs> so This, right. this movie then, was boring and confusing and had some really interesting moments. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So yeah. I really don't I, – I have I, – I'm very – very confused as to where to even start with this one. That's what I was trying to get. Uh, it's yeah. better than The Shadow. Yes. <laughs> yes. Boring and confusing it's and bad. It's better than it's the Mighty... better than Supergirl. No, it's not better than Supergirl. It's better know. than it's X-Men Origins, Wolverine. It is. I like Supergirl. Is it? Okay, wait, wait. It's better than The Adventures of Sharkboy and Lava Girl. It's better That's than fair. X-Men Origins. Is it better than better Suicide than- Squad? Is this better than Steel? Yeah. Uh, uh, it kind of is. I mean... Well, as but, a movie, yes, it is. Suicide Squad get below Steel? I don't know. We don't know it's what we're doing. Bad. We're, it's a bad movie. It's, it is a bad movie. No, that's right. I remember Suicide Squad was making me so angry when we were talking about it. It's I hated every movie. second of it. Um, I, Under it, Kabuki Man? Sergeant. Well, no, because it's better than no. Shark Boy and Lava Girl and X Men Origins Wolverine. Um, oh, okay, so yeah, between Apocalypse and Suicide Squad, I could see yeah. that. I could see that. What do okay. you? Okay, Brian. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll allow it. That seems fine. <laughs> well, it's ninety-five, so uh, you can bring it down if you want. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this is where uh, I keep thinking of New Mutants. Long. Watching this. Uh, mm. This is where New Mutants is going to wind up, too. I guarantee it. Right next to Split. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, all right. So that's it. We're putting Split at number 96. Um, it's that, that was a weird one. <laughs> that was a weird one to talk about and to rank. Um, it, it was the it was the it being a superhero movie was so um, so tacked on that really glass is going to be the real discussion of this universe. Yeah. Um, so that brings us though to next week. Next week on Harmless Phosphorescence, we are going to be watching Logan. Ooh. Yes, indeed. Uh, Hugh Jackman's final Wolverine appearance. For now. Well, until Deadpool 2. Oh, um, that's right. <laughs> is is uh, Was this our first, or will this be our first Oscar-nominated movie? I mean... No, Superman. Superman got some... Oh, there's been a lot that got good. some Oscar nominations, usually for, like, effects. Um, but this was for best film. Did right? it? No, Logan. Was, or, no. Did Logan get a Best Picture nomination? It was up there. I don't think it got a nomination because the first superhero movie that got a nomination was Black Panther, famously. Uh, adapted screenplay was what this got a nomination. Oh, okay, for. well that's a pretty major um, one. Three yeah, acts of this movie are fantastic. The last one's a little, but yeah, I like Logan. I like Logan too. It's it's um, I don't know. I haven't rewatched it in a few years, so it'll be interesting. So, all right, that is next week on Harmless Phosphorescence. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us, hanging out with us. 
Uh, this has been your host, Throw Smiley. I'm off to Hooters now to satisfy my needs for excessive fat and the urge to be in the proximity of augmented breasts. <laughs> sure, lady. Liquor store robbery officer down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Josh, see you. Thanks for the mercy invite, guys. Uh, I'm Brian Lesh. <laughs> I'm Alaric Weber, and I have rhinoceros skin and buck fever. <laughs> buck fever buck fever sounds filthy by the way did you, it's, it's did you have drunk. some of that rhino horn powder oh that'll do it buck fever is what happens when a bunch of dudes get hammered and there's a buck hunter game in the park <laughs> i've had oh, those i've seen uh all right thanks everybody we'll see you next time bye bye